What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I'm a visitor to your world. A Utini production. Break off your attack and allow them to escape with their meager reward. Episode 81, Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising Roundtable, Part 2. Every ship they add to their arsenal increases the threat to our own Amada and the Emperor's plans. On this episode, choosing favorites from a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back. Just a moment. Plus, reviewing the High Republic announcements from New York Comic Con. Because Rebels have friends always rushing to the rescue. And the Utini team continues their roundtable surrounding the latest Timothy Zahn Thrawn novel. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. And now, here are your hosts. May I introduce... Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. All right, we are live! Welcome, everyone, into the Living Force Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. And joining me tonight is the full squad, both doctors. First, we have Dr. Corey Helton. Hello, sir. What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, giving great <laughs> gift content, as always. Love to see it. We also have Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, man. Hey, what's going on? Uh, glad to see you here after you spent three days uh, crying over your beloved Heat's loss in the finals, but they did yeah. an admirable job. Yeah. We, we should have picked up Thrawn before the trade deadline, so that's on us. It absolutely is. But you know what else is on? Nope, not going there. Wes Jenkins is here. Hey, man. Hey, it's me. I'm here. How's it going, everyone? Oh, it's going great now that you're here, my friend. Uh, and also, everyone in the chat, hello. We got a nice full house tonight. We got Cheryl. We got Jackson. We got Meg, Spice Den, Amy. Hi, everyone. We're so glad you're here. You are found the Living Force Podcast. If you're listening to us for the first time, hello. Welcome. We are the official podcast of Utini.com. Your one-stop shop for all things Star Wars books. You want reviews? We got them. You want book guides? We got them. You want analysis? Yeah. Yeah, it's we there. Mm. I think it's there. It's somewhere mm, around there. Um, but Maybe. <laughs> we do this show every single week, Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. And we release the podcast to our patrons on Thursdays and our wider audience on all podcast platforms on Fridays. Be sure to our jump. Whiter audience. Our whiter audience, my friend. <laughs> no, we are a white. We are a whiter host. Oh, that's for sure. We, we can't talk about white people when we're all white. That's all we are. But we are also, uh, I don't know, luminous beings, something like that. Be sure to join yeah. our. This is great, y'all. This is great content. Be sure to join our thriving <laughs> Discord community with a bunch of folks over at utini.com/discord, and of course, we have a Patreon jam-packed with extra content at patreon.com slash utini. We'll talk about that a little later. Gentlemen, happy Monday. 
How are you doing? How are things? Good. 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 You know, you know good. They're good. They're good. good. Charles' yeah, life sucks good. other than that. You know. <laughs> but the usual, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, Charles, how was your day today? You had a little bit of, a, of an interesting day. Yeah, yeah. Seven hours of standardized testing. Um, it was great. You know, it was a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to nine hours on Wednesday. Seven hours wasn't quite enough for me. You know, I was you really itching really to stay a little seven, bit longer. Yeah. So. Well, if any of y'all yeah, just for just for the record, Charles, like three hours of that is more multiple choice questions. Just in case you yeah, want to no, that. I know. I uh, I wasn't ready for that. I sat down for that, and I was like, huh. There's a lot more multiple choice <laughs> questions here. That you I were was like slapping about. yourself in the face, trying to wake up from your nightmare. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh god, I probably shouldn't got hammered last night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I gotta ask you guys, uh, because we have so much extra time on a part two of a roundtable episode. Uh, are you guys more fans of multiple choice questions or essays, as far as life goes? Essays, because I can tell you why I'm right instead of you just being like wrong. Exactly. That's why, that's why I love English <laughs> Wrong, more than Max. I can write my way yes. into a right answer by page three, but if I if I, I, I freaking I hate essays though. I hate them so much. Like if like I'm I'm like I'm the kind of person that just blanks when they see like an essay question. It's like I got nothing. How, I can't how even are fake you here? this. <laughs> I don't. It's terrible. I don't I'll know. write the same thing, the same sentence, four different times. Yes. And just four different jumbled up words. And be like, yes. yeah, this is ex- this is exactly what this is about. Like you said the same thing four different times, just in three different. But you I said have- in conclusion <laughs> before the last time. <laughs> See, I have not been the same since I was right. I was doing a uh, uh, one of those big standardized tests for college scholarships back in the day. That was like, it's so hard that like the top one percent gets a full ride. So by halfway through, I knew I wasn't going to get it. So the last essay question was like, write a write an essay about a book that you think has revolutionized fiction in the last ten years. And I wrote about how the Twilight Saga got teens into reading. I did not get a scholarship. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, a couple things before we get into Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, which I swear has revolutionized reading this past year. A few things we want to get to. Quick shout out of happy anniversary tonight. To a couple Star Wars folks, Alex and Molly Damon. You guys may know them from Star Wars Explained. It's your wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. We're so glad you guys are happy in this community. So, yay. There's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo. Additionally, we had some really cool book news, y'all. We're going to try to get through this quickly, but it may not be able to because last week we found out which 40 characters we were going to get stories about. And from a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back. Del Rey put out a tweet Every five minutes, doing a reveal of a story with a little synopsis and an author. And y'all, every tweet went out on time. I was amazed. (laughs) Like, it worked perfectly. And our very own Heather Goldman woke up super early and did a tweet, a quote tweet, for every single story. So, like, Heather? Yo. That was incredible. It's it's a lot of work. Yes. (laughs) Very, very stoked you did that. Uh, but I wanted to kind of go around a little bit. Um, we put up an article that our very own awesome and talented Meg Dowell wrote. Uh, going through all 40 stories, be sure to head over to utini.com to check that out if you want a one-stop shop to see what's in every story, which characters are being talked about, which authors are writing. But I wanted to kind of get a, a vibe from you guys. Are there any stories jumping out at you? I, I wanted to ask, do you have a top three? That was the homework hmm. assignment. You did not do yeah, the homework we were, assignment. We were, we were yes. talking about this homework so. assignment. There were no, there were no Don't essays change the involved, assignment so now. I didn't do it. Uh, <laughs> well, here, let's go to this. Charles, 
<clears throat> I want to go to you first. If you looked at the list on Utini, uh, Spice Den also, who's in the chat right now, put up a really helpful image uh, in the Utini Discord that put up a nice little yes. listing. So shout out to that. Looking at it as we speak, uh, Charles. <laughs> what three stories are you looking forward to the most in Empire Strikes Back, which is coming out, y'all, next month? <clears throat> yeah, it's a good question. So I'm looking forward to all forty of them, but a nice, couple solid. ones that I picked out. Number one. The dragon snake saves R2-D2 because who doesn't need a little more dragon snake? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, and that's like also <laughs> what, like a what comic as well. What is that? Is it a comic snake? as well? On Dagobah, the thing that spits out R2 and he goes, Wah! Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, that's a good it's one. That um, I, I'm stoked for this, really mostly this one for the, the title. Amara Kells rules for Thai pilot survival, in parentheses, probably. Because it sounds like <laughs> Ned's Declassified's Cool Survival Guide, but for Star Wars. And so I'm, I'm here for it. Oh, my God. I need Ned Bigby in, in, in that all the time now. I mean, <laughs> he could be, be the Star new Biggs. <laughs> that was a great show. That was man. a great I, show. I, I love that, that show. show. It was fantastic. Moe's and Cookie. Come on. Yes. And then, of course, the I, I'm sure someone was going to bring this up besides me, but the 40th story, the Wills Strike Back. Oh, uh, yeah. We're getting some more Guardians of the Wills. I mean, uh, what more could you want? Yeah, and that's Tom Engelberger who wrote the Will story in the first, um, from a certain point of view. So he's kind of continuing right. his series, if you will. Uh, Wes, how about you? What three you got? All right, at- I'll leave the the best for last. So Excellent. the first one I'm kind of looking forward to is called "But What Does He Eat?" <laughs> and it is a story of a chef who makes the food for Darth Vader. And <laughs> we had this question on this show. <laughs> we did like a handful of episodes ago. I, what do you cook for him? And how, like, do you know that he's gonna shovel it through his? You know, how does he eat? By the way, is that what does he dress? Or does spaghetti he pop through off the vent. Spaghetti will through be the now. vent. That's it. All right, love that. Uh, oh, the man. next one is a good kiss, which is. The dude that just walks between uh, Han and Leia whenever they're arguing on Hoth. You could use I love kiss. that he gets the story. Yeah, that's that's so that's awesome. It's like the creep guy who goes back and tells his friends, be like, hey, Jeff, guess what I saw those two doing? Yeah, they finally almost did it. <laughs> <laughs> but I messed it up. Nice, dude. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> and then probably everybody's pick is Do on Batu, which is the story that we're all looking for from Wilro Hood himself i love it someone finally wrote about wheel Road hood i guess what it is yeah and also yeah. like i love that batu is in the title because they're like hey if we can shamelessly get the galaxy's edge into one of these let's put it in the wheel Road hood one because everyone is gonna love it no matter what so <laughs> yes because <laughs> they know they're gonna strategy. read that story out of that entire book they'll read the wheel Road hood story for that's sure right. that's right i think i think we have to be excited for the wheel Road hood because like I didn't even find out really about who Wilro Hood was until uh, Celebration when they had all those guys running through. The running of the like, Wilro Hoods? <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. And I had known about that ahead of time, but like like somebody told me ahead of time, like, hey, you got to watch out for the running of Wilro Hoods. And I was like, what the hell are they talking about? And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that guy! I didn't know that was a thing! So that was that was a pretty cool thing. So it would be exciting for the greater public to understand who that is. I think it'll be neat. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm... Oh, but I'll throw a couple out as well. Uh, first of all, I want to shout out, uh, there's a story by Tracy Dion, who is becoming one of my uh, recent, uh, I don't know, favorite authors and stuff, because I'm only in the middle of her first book, but it's really freaking good, uh, called Legendborn, uh, if you need some non-Star Wars stuff to read. But she is writing a story called Vengeance, which is the Dagobah Cave. 
Uh, so it's all the kind of mystical stuff in there. You know, that sounds cool. We then have Delilah Dawson writing, She will keep them warm about Murra the Tauntaun mm. that dies. That'll Did we be know really its good. name before now? I don't think so. I didn't. That makes it a uh, lot you, sadder. You I didn't think I wanted to, to know its name. Yeah, it'd be from her point of view, too. I'm very... From her certain point of view, if you will. Very excited about oh, that. Are they, are they going to make the, the sound in the story? Like the, oh, you got me in the gut. Oh, they might. And then she's like, and as the saber rippled through my flesh and my guts poured out. Anyway, that'll be really sad. And then the man who built Cloud City, uh, which is Alexander Freed's story he's doing, it's it's apparently pitched as like a fairy tale-esque storytelling of the guy who built Cloud City that named himself the king of Cloud City. I think that sounds probably just gonna be like it's probably just gonna be like uh you know Freed is such a technical dude it's just gonna be like one guy just like reading over his blueprints (laughs) yes and the like Noah building the center will be approximately four hundred and seventy six square feet and the ceiling will be eighteen feet high and it's like that's a fairy tale white (laughs) so definitely look forward to those Um, let us know which ones you're you're looking forward to the most and remember pre order link is up on our new releases page at utini.com right now. I don't get to go. What about me? You didn't ask me any questions. I thought I was giving you the out. All right, go. Corey, you get three. I I have have, have opinions. I have opinions. All right, Corey, what three do you just throw me under the bus. I said I was looking at it. (laughs) What three do you want? And moving on. Everyone shut up. Listen to Corey. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Corey, talk. Now I don't want to (laughs) go. This is part two of a round table. We got time. Yes, okay, all right, quickly, quickly, quickly. All right, um, I am excited for a couple of these that really jump out. Uh, first one is Against All Odds. It's about Dak Ralter. Ralter? Yes! Ralter. I, I, I find myself watching Empire, I think, more than any other any other uh, movie. Like, you guys heard me talk about having insomnia, and I'll throw on Empire, and it, it helps me go to sleep. It's fantastic. No, and then? I frequently, there are things that I think about every single time I watch the, the film that I've never really like look that much deeper into. And one of the characters that I find really interesting is Dak. Rin- uh, I always want to say Rindar. <laughs> That's not, not quite. Not, 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 not dash Rindar. Dak Ralter. Ralter. Yes. I, I just find him to be an interesting character because he just gets totally thrown under the, thrown under, under the, under the bus. He <laughs> dies so quickly. We don't know anything about him. Um, the speeder. You know, he's, uh, he's so optimistic. Yeah, he's, 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 yes. He's like, I, right now I feel like I can take the whole empire myself or something. Yeah. Like, and then and, boom. Yep. So yes. So he gets, <laughs> Love he, gets that. he gets blasted, and then he gets crushed to death. Like Luke was gonna get his body out, but nope, he's goo now. So <laughs> there's that. I hope the story goes all the way through the goo. I want to like, yes. Don't just stop when he dies. Keep going. That's right. That's right. An- another character I find very interesting is Admiral Piet because we yeah. slowly. Well, rather quickly, you see him rise through the Imperial ranks because Vader keeps killing his superiors. <laughs> and like I love the I love the don't fail me again, Admiral Piet. And that's when he's promoted to Admiral yeah, and he's and like, he's like no. I, I, what had to be going through his head? Like I think we're gonna find out. <laughs> I'm it's the like, next great, to die. I'm an admiral. Finally I've made it. But holy crap, I'm absolutely screwed. Yeah. What am I'm I gonna an... do with all this money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Piet just goes, I'm an admiral. Wee that's right. It's for my Hamill That's fans. Right. And then lastly, we have another was a new Boba Fett story, which I'm always excited to, to see. There, we have a lot of – Boba Fett is a character who a lot of different people have written about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like to the point that it's almost kind of overdone because he's – and there's not a lot of consistency. Like we have mm-hmm. child Boba Fett. you know. So you just kind of have to write it off as like there's going to be a, a lot of different versions of this character. But you can't write what Empire is, uh, and not write Boba Fett. 
That's right. Yeah. And Zoraida Cordova is doing that one, yep. too, which is a great choice. Love getting so. her back. Yeah. She also wrote Young That's Boba uh, in the Clone Wars Light and Dark Anthology. So she gets to write mm-hmm. a couple of Bobas, which will be cool. Uh, Jared, I know, mentioned, uh, I don't know where. It was in Slack. It was in Legends Look Back. It was in something. Uh, there's a new Wedge story. So we get Rogue mm-hmm. Squadron, which will be awesome. Uh, Charles, do you want to correct one of your choices? Well, I'm pretty upset. <laughs> I'm pretty upset. I did not choose the Obi-Wan story. And I think Spice Den is that who called it out in the yep. in the Twitch chat. So thank you, Spice Den, because that's got to be in my top three. So I guess I'll take out Dragon Snake because let's be honest, I'm not the world's biggest Dragon Snake fan. I'm the world's biggest Obi Wan fan. I really like their third album, but by the fourth album, yeah, they started selling say. out. <laughs> they really rocked in the '80s, but I, I had to switch. This is my Dragon Force and White Snake cover band, Dragon Snake. <laughs> We'll keep an eye out for all these stories and more. Uh, We'll be talking about that book. Um, Maybe not in traditional roundtable style, but we'll at least have an episode that focuses on some of our favorites later in the year. Uh, Listen, there's a fruit fly flying all around my room right now. It's really freaking me out. I can't get it out of here. Well, that's going to be a gift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, while Corey tries to save himself from a harmless little fly, I'm going to tell you all about... Did he break his audio? (laughs) He did. The fly did. Sorry. Sorry, God. Is, it, is it still working? Guys, no. I was like, hey, we don't have a patron of the week this week. We're going to fly through this. We're going to get to the to Thrawn quickly. The patron of the week is in. this fruit fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. A little more news we got this week. Uh, the High Republic panel happened at the New York Comic Con virtual metaverse, and we got some awesome news. We are not only getting the High Republic stories we already knew about coming in January, we are getting three other books next summer. That's right, we heard about the second wave of The High Republic, which will include an adult novel by Kevin Scott, a YA novel by Justina Ireland, a middle-grade novel by Daniel Jose Older, and this December, Star Wars Insider is bringing back its original fiction, they used to do a lot of short stories, with Charles Soule doing an original short story about The High Republic. So, what all did you guys think about uh, us finding out before a single High Republic title drops that we're actually doubling the amount of books that we're getting next week, next year already? Oh, man. I think it just speaks towards their confidence like in this era and in this project overall, right? Like, There's mm-hmm. no testing ground, and, and they're going to see how people adapt to it and what people think about it. They're just like going all in. And this, you know, is one of the projects that we've seen. It seems like they planned like step by step very far in advance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we're going to get a big payoff from that down the road. And so I'm excited. I mean, I'm ready for them to announce wave three. I know that we're going to all read these books. We're going to be talking about them here on the show. And I just can't wait to dive into like a whole new era of Star Wars. Dude, no question. And Again, the fact that they're that they are so confident releasing in summer makes sense, especially when we think that before a lot of the COVID publishing delays, the first book was supposed to be out in September. We we should have already read Light of the Jedi at this point. Right. So I'm I'm assuming they were already writing. Like I mean, Kevin was working on that adult novel probably when they announced the whole initiative. So very excited to see who's going on. And I like the fact that the same authors are sticking around for two waves, which is super fun because then they get to really kind of create the whole storyline it, remind, it reminds me of some of the old legend stuff honestly like new jedi order fate of the jedi legacy like a lot of those had the same authors writing multiple entries so what a cool kind of not even an homage to legends but just a great idea taken from it to be like hey all these authors write multiple entries so very stoked about that cannot wait 
Um, again, all pre-order links, they're going to be on Utini. We're going to be talking about them, and as soon as we get titles, you'll get titles, everybody. All right, last little bit of news I want to talk about before we get back into Thrawn Ascendancy. Our YouTube channel hit a nice little milestone this week. We are at 400 subscribers. Hey. So, yeah, hey. that's amazing. Thank you all uh, for, <laughs> yeah, for subscribing. <laughs> like that, That's super cool. If um, only we had an editor who could put in amazing sound effects. <laughs> Edit here. Hey, Matt, what? right here, buddy. This is where it happens. I want to just. I want to record myself just doing the sound effects, and then he could insert those. Just a like Corey soundboard would be <laughs> fantastic. That's oh my right. god. Oh, oh. Well, in absence of the soundboard, we do have a lot of thanks. Uh, but seriously, uh, to our one to our video team who has been cranking out these videos. Uh, I mean, Jake. Emma, Nathan, Andrew, George when he was still with us, Joxy's doing a lot of work behind the scenes, Nathan, like, everyone working on those videos, the output has been so good, there's a reason why the numbers shot through the roof this last month, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I did my first video last week, which was very fun, and saw even just how hard it is to make a single piece of content over there, so awesome, thank you to all of you that have been watching and subscribing to those, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, head on over there, hit subscribe, ding the bell, we got new content coming out there all the time, and a special, special shout-out to one of our viewers on YouTube. Stephanie Mack uh, has left a couple of really long, really cool analytical comments on a couple of the videos, including our first roundtable about Thrawn, including some Legends Look Back videos, uh, talking about outbound flight connections in Thrawn, and a lot of stuff on their Air to the Empire episode. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for your input. And to everyone, keep those comments going on YouTube as well as in Discord. The conversation is one of the things we love the most about doing this. Because we can talk all the time. We, we listen to ourselves talk, and it, it's fine. It's whatever, you know. But we want to hear what you think about all this Star Wars goings on. So for now, Charles, let's finish this out. What do you got? All right. So we left off in our character exploration, and uh, we had just finished up talking about Thalius. And so we are going to talk about the, uh, the new Skywalker on the block, Cherry, first. So Another great band. Right. Uh, so I, I might probably be like asserting some of my own thoughts here with this question, but the first thing I want to know is why do y'all think that Skywalkers are so relatable for the audience? What is it about them and about their journey that makes you just feel a connection to them? I think the choice to make them honestly make them so young and kind of relatively innocent helps a lot with that. I mean, I think there's a very... There's a nature when a character is introduced in a book and they're like less than 14 or like they're still technically more of a child that makes the audience be like, okay, I want to protect this person. I want to make sure they're okay. Um, And also Zahn's choice to do that, but also make them super powerful. Like they're necessary for the whole ascendancy to exist. I thought was really smart because the stakes are very high. One, we want this younger person to be safe. We want them to be okay. But two, we know that if this younger person doesn't do their job then the ships don't have their bearings they can't jump the way they need to so the fleet obviously has to regard them with a certain amount of respect and i also think it gives the other characters around them a lot of opportunities to respect them as co-workers but also respect them as children and it just opens up the story so much to put all those factors in one spot i really liked it yeah i thought it was very interesting that we didn't get um 
like Zahn didn't choose to do to to create these characters as kind of like uh, I don't know military mm-hmm. based kids, kind of like Ender's Game or something like that. Mm. Maybe like I, I I don't know. I I I found myself thinking about that that question a lot throughout the throughout my listening of the audiobook is like why are these civilians like and why has the ascendancy like designed them in the way they have because they they do their job as kids and then they just kind of phase out and do whatever and it's basically like a let's steal you from your home force you to do this this job and then like we just let you let you go afterwards and mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want. So I, I found it, I find the, the nature of the characters to be very interesting. And I, I, I'm wondering, I would love to ask Timothy Zahn what made him, what motivated him to do it, to, to, to create these characters like, like that. Like why did you create the Skywalkers exactly in that, in that way? Mm. Um, but to answer your question, why are they so related? Well, I think a lot of us can relate to like the way that Shiri is, is portrayed of, of like, that sort of childlike wonder kind of about everything. Like she is inquisitive, but also feels like she doesn't really know her place. And I don't know. I think that, think that nature is just very relatable in general. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, uh, I was almost reading like a, a YA book, um, whenever I was reading the chapters that were kind of from, uh, with, with more cherry in them. Um, I think they kind of read that way and I could see that I would read a, a YA book about, Skywalkers, why not? Absolutely. Uh, After the High Republic, let's just have it be an entire chess line. I'm going to chess YA. I'm going to chess middle grade. (laughs) All happening in the chaos. Let's go. Well, you know, all of that kind of leads me into the next question, which actually comes from Cheryl Bell, who we all know very well, one of our most active patrons. But she kind of submitted this question over to us on Discord. Uh, So, y'all, what are your thoughts on all Skywalkers essentially being prepubescent females and why do you think they lose their powers at such a young age whether that's biologically philosophically etc but is there like a message there that zahn is sending by making those choices or is this all just purely story driven Oof, that is a heavy question you know i hadn't thought of it till this point but i wonder if it's kind of an homage to padme in a way because padme rules the planet of naboo at a similar age right like 14 Mm -hmm. Um, so I think Star Wars in, in that way, at least in the last few films cycles and book cycles, has a lot of respect for the power that young women have. And I think the fact that the Chiss biologically are reliant on young women, I think is a really strong kind of stance to take. Now, having them phase out and then look for direction, I thought, I think is is a very interesting thing to do, and I think it is it is very purposeful. I think it is it is meant to kind of say, hey, is that how we look at the military in our own world? Like, once they've served their purpose, all right, you're done. We don't need you anymore. I mean, it's it, to a lesser extent, it's how we look at athletes. All right, you're older, you can't run as fast, you don't have the power, out you go. We don't really care. So there is a little bit of callousness to it, and I think that is ultimately made that way to, to four characters like Thalius and Thrawn and Aralani to show how they're different, to show how they care for people beyond their quote-unquote expiration date or whatever it may be. Like, Phalius gives us a look into that woman who has grown out of that role and showing how there can still be strength and showing how even if you think your purpose is gone, it, you can still find brand new meaning. And Thrawn respects Thalius just as much as he respects Sherry. It's not a question. So I think it shows that kind of evolution as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even really have a lot to add to that. I mean, <clears throat> I think to answer the specifics of the question, like, is there a message that Zahn is, is sending? Like, I mean, I, I feel like a young young female sort of have a sort of nature about them that, that suits this role in the way it was depicted well, in that, like, you know, there are similar themes of, like, innocence and naivety what's the word how do you pronounce it naivety 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 yes i've never been there's an e and an a in there somewhere exactly yes like the the principle of being naive and i feel like maybe that that goes along a little bit with 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 the ginger role that's depicted like but you know i don't know we would have to ask i think to really see what what zahn's motive for for doing that was yeah like and and specifically Sorry, go ahead. No, see, Cheryl's actually in the chat right now, um, and she she just posted a follow up saying she thought it was weird that it was tied into puberty. Perhaps like that's the typical age like that we see here. Also, like in X Men, right? Like, that's the age the X Men get their powers. Like there's yeah, something right. very specific about that age in a lot of popular science fi and fantasy fiction. Yeah, it's a good. I mean, it's a good question. I, I think it's. I think there's just sort of a a theme of you know coming of age when you mm-hmm. think of puberty, like and and like. You know, we we use that as the generic time clock, like for these types of things in a lot of stories, because you know that's an age-related time that everybody's familiar with. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense to to kind of place things at that, in 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 that particular fashion. I do think it's fairly, very very interesting and a fantastic story choice to make all the force users female. Now, like, yeah, like like take take away the the pre-puberty age thing like the fact that they're all female in the chiss mm-hmm. is is super interesting and i would love to see i would love to see that idea expanded upon like maybe we see you know the one in a million like uh the one in a million female that is like doesn't lose her force powers at at puberty yeah and maybe she becomes a jedi or something crazy like that that would be fantastic Ooh, high republic like let's that. go um yeah exactly but yeah i think that that is that is interesting to, to have that idea of, you know, th- they are the most in tune with the universe of anyone else in the whole race, right? And Cheryl, again, right. putting, like, usually at a coming-of-age story, you gain power at that age. And in this particular universe, that's when they lose it. So it's like, is it the loss of innocence? Is it the loss of wonder? You know, like, when you become a teenager, we start to think, like, oh, things aren't as cool, and you kind of put these walls up. And in this case, it's kind of literal, so... Yeah, really good question, Cheryl. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just, I mean, it's a time of change, right? It's a time where you are already having to find kind of yourself and your role out in the world. And, I mean, if they continue to have their powers and they continue to have these abilities, then they would just continue on in the life that they've always known. So I think it actually is a pretty cool idea that, that they lose something that's so core you know to the character and so essential to who they are and the life that they know and that they kind of cross that threshold and now they have to fend for themselves literally amidst the chaos um so yeah it's a great question i'm glad that we were able to work it in here and eric you brought something up you know that it kind of singled out thrawn and thalius that they were so uh, loving and encouraging, you know, towards the Skywalkers. And there was one moment in particular that that really jumped out to me. It was on page 289, and it was when Thrawn teaches Cherry how to fly a ship. And yeah. their relationship there was, was very interesting. 
I'm wondering how do y'all view specifically the relationship between Thrawn and Sherry? Uh, because I'm almost wondering if he views her as a sister figure. Uh, you know, if he feels like he's kind of retrospectively, uh, you know, being a mentor towards a young new Skywalker, the way that his sister was taken away from his family. I love that, and I think that's totally it. Now, once we find out about Thrawn's backstory, I don't see how I can't read that into it. I mean, he's teaching her to fly a ship because he never got to teach his sister. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that there's something really beautiful about him being like, I couldn't have these memories with her. I couldn't learn from her, and I couldn't teach her. So now I, I'm, in a way, getting to do that again, and that's kind of a beautiful second chance that I, th- I would assume everyone you know, needs, you know, that, that everyone who has lost someone close, whether it be a sibling or a parent, like to be able to have that second chance with a mentor or mentee is, is really beautiful. And I think that that scene especially was so well written in that way. Cause you could feel what that meant to Thrawn to be able to do that, to be able to teach her and how valued she felt in a way that she hadn't, she'd only been valued for her, her second sight. And now it's like, no, you can also do other things. And I thought that was beautiful yeah. in both ways. Yeah, totally. I mean, like I'll kind of back back that up as well. And like I I've said this I said this a lot in the last in the last episode that like we're learning a lot about like Theron's fundamental character traits here. And I think that I think that we have to ask the bigger question, which we asked last time, is is Theron a villain actually? Mm-hmm. Right. And it scenes like this that really make you question if Theron is actually a villain because like he has in a like it enormous amount of compassion for people like uh, like everybody particularly children so is there is it because it's his like he had this 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 story of like his sister being taken away and being a skywalker perhaps perhaps so or maybe it's just a fundamental nature maybe thrawn is actually good just at heart like he, he has empathy and compassion so i don't know i, I i'm totally with you charles i absolutely love this scene and like um, I thought it was one of the most character-developing scenes in the whole book, both for Thrawn and Shiri. Yeah, agreed. So as we kind of come to a close on talking about Cherry, the the young uh, female character, we are going to transition to a similar character in uh, Bakif, the old grizzled man who... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Virtually identical. Yeah, yeah. The same I mean, pretty much the same character. Same voice actor. Um, i i had to give a shout out to bakif who really actually there is a similarity here i kind of see him as as serving a a, as a father figure to thrawn because he's both constantly like encouraging and correcting thrawn like he's on his side but he also calls him out and he's not afraid to do that but why do y'all view bakif as so important to the story of thrawn in this book in particular and just in Thrawn's progression through the military uh, that we see in other books as well. Well, like last week when I was talking about like giving the giving the book a perfect score, like it's because of characters like Shiri and Bakif and Thalias that like I think that it would it would be very challenging for me to not give a perfect ten out of ten at least for characters, particularly with 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 uh, Zon's. Almost did it again. Almost said Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with Zon's re- writing. Yeah, in my review, I got that got a ten for sure. 
yes, because the characters, all of the characters that he created in this in this book are absolutely fantastic. And Bakif, like they just all like I, I'm not I'm not like I'm not like well versed enough in literature and in in English writing to like. To, to give you like the fundamentals of what this actually is, but all of Thrawn, all of, oh my God, all of Zahn's characters, Jesus, I always do that. All of Zahn's <laughs> characters, they serve a purpose and they have a very, a very niche role that they serve. And I believe like fits that role perfectly is he's like, he has power. Uh, he helped put Thrawn like where he is. Um, and he's always sort of rooting for him, even though everybody else is sort of up against him. Like, it, it created a really cool political dynamic, I feel like, in the book that, like, like yes, Theron sucks at politics, but he has Bakif kind of in his corner. And I think it makes a huge difference, both for his career and from a story perspective. So I, I love the character. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. All I have to add to that is that I'm looking through my notes of when I was uh, reviewing it. And in Chapter 16, I just wrote, Bakif is an OG. <laughs> yes <laughs> he really is an original general my... yes yes it's exactly it but i'm like he's he's a real one you know but is just that's it he's an og got it he was a great character Love i loved him i loved him Love every him. single scene that he was in i absolutely loved it if he started off a scene because zon does that a lot he starts off a scene like in somebody's head yeah and uh if it's if the chapter started off in in McKeith's head i i was like i knew i would love the chapter yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, one more question for Bakif. On page 171, we get him talking to Thrawn, and he's being quite stern with him. And he says, understand this, Commander, and understand it clearly. The Ascendancy does not attack other systems unless we have clear evidence that they attacked us first. We don't attack militarily, diplomatically, subversively, clandestinely, or psychologically. Those who do not attack us will not be attacked by us. Is that clear? And now we're going to get around to discussing specifically the Ascendancy's view on interactions with other aliens in the chaos. But for now, what I want to know is, when placed at odds with each other, do you think Bakif will align with the Ascendancy and its values or with Thrawn? That's a good question. Uh, I I think that Bakif feels the way that Thrawn feels, which is that, mm -hmm. that the Ascendancy's choices and Thrawn's choices don't have to be necessarily the difference, and yeah, like that. That's, it seems like that's the battle that he's constantly trying to uh, to to win for Thrawn. Is that like, listen, we're all on the same side here, but there's different ways of doing things. Yeah, I think the only time Bakif could actually go against the Ascendancy is if they were like, "All right, fire on that ship and like kill Thrawn for something." Like if if right. If they had gone that far, then he'd be like, nope, all right, I'm taking place. But again, if the Ascendancy didn't attack Thrawn physically first, then I don't think Bakif is standing in, in the middle of him. But I do, hmm. I, do, I do like that idea of that scene happening somewhere in this trilogy, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Also, a quick shout-out, uh, Spice Dan again in the chat uh, made a really great point. Bakif is kind of like Yularen in his relationship to Thrawn, and I like that comparison quite a bit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I... I think if we're if we're looking at Charles to your point, if we're looking at characters that may become part of like the Thrawn squad in in, in later on in this trilogy against the Ascendancy, but Keith is definitely going to be in there. He, oh, he's like that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's in Rebels. He's uh, one of the one of the Lothal guys, uh, one of the head dudes that like knew Ezra's parents. That's kind of how I can see. Bakif. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that 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 captain guy that they uh, that he that they rescued. Yeah, so I can see him hat. being flipped in that way if he's attacked by the assassin. The guy with the hat. 
Guy with the hat. Yes. Guy with hat. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He's got a hat. Listen to the Ghost Crew Patreon show for more of this thrilling analysis of Rebels. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to Bakif, it sounds like he wants to keep the ideals of the Ascendancy while... And it like deep down, he's like, man, I wish somebody would really just lay it to those, <clears throat> lay it to those other people. And he has Thrawn yeah. to do that for him, so he kind of yeah, totally lives true. a little vicariously through Thrawn, but also yeah, that's probably true. Sits back and does what he's told. Absolutely, he he, he, de- he definitely seems like the kind of military guy you see a lot in in a lot of stories that kind of like resents his desk job, like yeah, he wishes he was <laughs> oh doing yeah, hundred percent, like yeah, he's like Captain Anderson in Mass Effect. What uh, I've not played the Mass if anyone Effect played the games. Mass Effect games. What? Nope. All right. Hopefully, someone got that out of our out of our out of our average weekly listeners. Someone's played Mass Effect. All right. Well, someone who was not in Mass Effect is this next character that we're going to talk about with the greatest and most difficult name in this entire book, Kilori of Uandalan. And yes. I have One more done. time. One more time. Kilori of Uandalan. Yes. All right. Yes. That's how I choose to say it. Um. I love this guy, and I don't know why yeah. I found him so cool. I think partly because of his job like as a navigator. I thought all the navigator stuff was cool, but also because he was kind of walking the line between the good guys and the bad guys, playing yeah, both he's sides. He's kind of a bastard. Yeah, he <laughs> is. He totally is. Yeah. But, but you know I love bastards, or else I wouldn't be here with you all. So. Oh! <laughs> there it is. So, oh my God. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, uh, what are y'all's overall thoughts on Kilori of Uandalan? Listen, Mark Thompson's portrayal of Kilori in the audiobook is bar none Oscar worthy. Like, it was fantastic. Like, he does this, like, really guttural, throaty alien. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of sounds like uh, that blue guy in that first episode of uh, The Mandalorian. Mithral. Yeah. I was going to ask y'all that. Is, is he Mithral. the same species? Is he I don't the same know. Species? No, no I think talk- he's a new species. Isn't <laughs> he? Talks what about is he? like his his his, his fish face, face flap things. Yeah. So oh like, yeah, he totally does. Like a lot. Is it? Let's see what he is. What if it is if the, the same, same the same species? Okay, right? I just typed well, in Kiloria Vuandalan and. Literally, the top hit is from a Twitter account that says Kilori of Uandalan Nation Rise. <laughs> <laughs> so there's join some fans out there. Join it. Well, well I got to say, I'll, I'll, I'll jump You've never in. heard of Mithral empty his thorax. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, God. Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, I am very much You're looking forward guy. to uh, more Kilori of Uandalan. I really liked his kind of view as being... On the outside, looking at the outsiders, you know, because Thrawn is an outsider, oh, yeah, but totally. he's even more so. So looking objectively to at, all the parties, yeah, like, the, like the, both to, to the Chiss, the like, cartoon, to the, like like even even people. to like the Navigators yeah. Guild, like he's like this is my job and my people and stuff, but like mm-hmm. also like I feel like a like a corporate employee. Yeah. Like he talked about that a lot. That was fantastic. And he's I, sort of such a neutral party. I really like him because he definitely felt like the kind of guy you meet on like a D and D campaign or something. That's like, oh, hey, you need to go somewhere? And he has, like, a weird little backstory. <laughs> and I love the fact that Thrawn, like, remembered him, and he was the one that he knew from way back when. And it's like, dude, don't piss off Thrawn, because in 30 years, he will find you. That's um, right. <laughs> but, no, I really I really dug him, and I liked his kind of, again, morally questionable shifting characters are my bread and butter. Can't get mm-hmm. enough of them. So I also can't blame the guy for being like, all right, you're conquering the universe? Great. Let's hang. Ooh, wait, no, you're conquering the universe? No, nah, we're cool. We're cool. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. What did y'all think about 
like this new navigators guild and the various groups that were within that. Cause we got like the void guides, the pathfinders, there were different groups even within that guild, but this is a whole job that I think we didn't even know about necessarily before. I mean, we knew that the skywalkers yeah. performed this job for the Chiss, but not for, you know, the rest of the chaos. Yeah. Was there well, I mean, a, I, I, a, def, a defined difference in between the void guides and the pathfinders? Um, I think they were kind of just different sects from like within the navigators the, guild. The they guild, all, it yeah. seemed like they had a slightly different view on like how they performed their duties. Like, um, I don't know. They had different terminology, if I remember correctly, for like the, the ability that they had and like how they viewed it as interacting with some greater thing. Um, uh, but ultimately they say serve the right. same purpose. Are they all the same species and everything? Like void guides and pathfinders? Were they I don't all, think I don't remember, so. Were that, was that all in this book? I don't remember all this. Yes. Yeah, this yeah, is all was, just from this book. It's brand new. Void guides and pathfinders. But I love, I love I the know. guild as a whole. Like just as, as an idea. Yeah, I do too. Again, this is a brand new space. They don't have like hyperspace lanes and all that crap. Yeah, so like, I totally. love the organic feel of it. I love that you need a Skywalker. You need a navigator. You need someone. Mm. And and the way that that Zahn described him like tapping into the chaos to like see it and listen and like do all that stuff is yeah, is totally. kind of like the stuff that we didn't love in throne alliances where he described how vader and anakin see the force i think yes. this was the better evolution of that writing yeah i totally agree i mean i think i made this point last time i actually don't remember if i made this point or not that like the concept in general of the chaos is maybe the most genius idea that any writer in star wars has ever had because like what a sandbox it, get, it gets yeah. Timothy Zahn to write in. Like he can he can do whatever he wants out there, man. Like yeah. because like everybody there's like everything is surrounded by black holes and maws, and like mm-hmm. you have to have like special alien species that can use the force and navigate the hyperspace. Like it's freaking genius, it's so rad. and like it makes it seem very mysterious, and like the threat is very real, and. I think it's all going to tie into the big story very, very nicely. I love the idea of the Navigator's Guild, and I love the fact that the Chiss have their own version of it in this in the Skywalkers, mm-hmm. and that it's secret and like it doesn't seem like everybody else anybody else really has that sort of ability in the chaos. At least what we've hinted at so far. Yeah. So it, it definitely kind of helps paint that picture that the Chiss are sort of the ruling class, most powerful group in mm-hmm. the chaos. If that hasn't already been clearly established, yeah. Right. So you guys know I like to ask these questions, even though you normally shut me down. But (laughs) what is it about these navigators in particular that gives them their abilities? And might that thing be the force? We heard it referred to as, quote, the greater presence. Uh, I think that was from Kilori, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But they basically put on sensory deprivation helmets, right? Like similar Mm -hmm. to how Luke puts on the the blast shield helmet so he can't use his sight. And they navigate these things, these gigantic ships, incredibly well through the chaos. So, like you're saying, Corey, all these black holes and different crazy traps that they could fall into. Uh, into. So, what is it, and might it actually be the Force? Totally the Force. I think it's. I think it's sort of implied that it's the Force. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and different name I for totally... it, which I think, which I think is also cool, because like. Of course, different sectors of the universe will have different names for the same thing. Right. Like, you know, if we went on another planet and found uh, a race of, of aliens that had a same similar gravity, like, they wouldn't call it gravity, even though it's doing the same thing. 
So I right. love the description of the Force from someone who doesn't call it that because it's kind of like a brand new way of seeing light for the first time. I really totally. dug it. Yeah. Cool. God, this okay. book is really freaking good. Yo, it like, is. I'm telling you, God it's damn. so good. Like, the more we talk <laughs> so about it, the good. more I'm just, like, convinced. There's a lot to unpack. It's just... It is. Like, all the characters are fantastic. The story's fantastic. The plot moves. Like, I so love you it. Have, it great. So you have your navigators just stuck on this one lane of being, like, being for these hyperspace lanes, if you will. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't use them... They wouldn't think about using their greater presence for something else. They wouldn't, like, get together no. and be like, you know... I made a knife move across the table towards our <laughs> towards our supervisor the other day, and I really thought about shoving that thing into his chest, but <laughs> I decided I decided not to. But I knew that I can do it. We don't right. actually have to well, use it just for this. And maybe they only think it's navigation. Maybe that's the thing. Like, right? If Kalori tries it, maybe later on, because if if you're told it can only be used for navigation, maybe that's all you'll use it for. You know? Right. Yeah. Also, like Kalori totally thinks. At least that it seems like the navigator's perception is that it's like a almost like a portal between like life and the afterlife in a mm-hmm. weird way. Like, did you kind of get that vibe? Yeah, like, it, 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 yeah, sort of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there was like a there was a godlike discussion, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. in there somewhere. And like, like it seems like it's it's well, and the all of their minds it, are connected, the force. right? Like, all the yeah, navigators because yeah, they can follow each other, they can sense each other on ships and stuff, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what made me think it was it was the force, like right when I read that part yeah. yeah but stay in your lane bro stay in your hyper lane <laughs> yeah, exactly, space right? lane yeah. uh don't give any of them a lightsaber we might have problems uh <laughs> all right but let's talk about the the biggest problem in this book and that is yiv the benevolent so even though yiv was ultimately just a pawn in the greater story we have got to give him his due here on page 206 thron and yiv first meet and they have a conversation that was actually mostly about like a tapestry that was up on the wall. But afterwards, Thrawn says, <laughs> and I quote, you think just because there were no loud words or discharged weapons that we did not engage in combat? Great Which quote. I was Great quote. So, Loved it. So nice. But how yeah. did Yiv, like as an antagonist, compliment the character of Thrawn? Like, did you appreciate that that there was a villain who at least attempted to be as cerebral as Thrawn instead of just, you know, physically overpowering? Yeah. Uh, totally yes (laughs) (laughs) like this was great this is exactly freaking put him on this level yeah this is freaking moriarty like this is what you need for sherlock holmes like yes correct it was great i i I liked yiv a lot i think that it was was kind of terrifying in that way again to have like a person that says i'm so benevolent i'm such a good ruler just like follow me and we'll be cool is the scariest kind of person. Um, and yeah, that yeah. scene with him and Thrawn taking each other down with pleasantries was electrifying as any space battle. Right. Love you. And it even, it even felt like, like we walked away from that conversation. Like I, I didn't even see it really. Like clearly Thrawn, like the way that Zahn depicted it of like Thrawn clearly saw how tactical and talented and genius give was, but nobody else, including the reader really does like, I think that's what's so mysterious and awesome about his character. And what a name, by the way, give the benevolent. Yeah. Is, have you ever Great. heard of a more gangster sounding yeah. name? It's like yeah. job of the hut. Like it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. All and right. I also, I gotta say, I didn't, I didn't mind the reveal at the end 
um, right. of him being part of another like that didn't that didn't feel like it cheapened him as a character, which I yeah. thought I think that that's hard to do. So that was pretty cool. I mean, that's like original trilogy, right? I mean, we we didn't yeah. know about Palpatine in the beginning, so I, I think yeah. it worked well here as well. But let's move on from characters. Let's get through some overarching questions. We do have a few, and uh, we've already been talking for a long time. So let's start here at the top. Um, Corey, you've alluded to this already, so you know we can kind of just chime in on what you've already said. But this story actually took place entirely in the unknown region, or as the inhabitants refer to it, the chaos. So what's your overall impression of the chaos, and did you find the name fitting? Um, and on another note, I just want to point this out. The Chiss referred to the area of space controlled by the Republic or the Empire as lesser space. So it's crazy to think that literally everything that we have known since 1977 has taken place in lesser space. The future of Star Wars is bright. Such an awesome dig. I like, oh yeah, that's, where the, that's the kids' table of the, yes. of the universe. <laughs> Um, just, just amazing. Like the the casual nature at which they talk about. Oh yeah, they're like they're they're fighting with robots or something over there, and it's like the Clone Wars. Like right, I, like we there, we have, we have there's a very much an attitude of like we have nothing to learn from the Republic. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it's it's nuts, and it's like it's 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 also a, a really great analysis of like the Chiss as a species too, right? Because they're they they are incredibly arrogant and like oh yeah, it it, it is absolutely leading to their downfall in a lot of ways it's like they feel like they're the most superior beings in the galaxy and i, I absolutely love the chaos and, and the fact that we're calling it the chaos instead of just the unknown such regions cool like name. totally gives it such a a different connotation like because it is known for them they know right, it right right it is yes they they know it and there's also like like i've always wondered like we've seen this developing a lot in the last like five to ten years in the, in the star wars expanded universe of like the emperor was very obsessed with like the unknown regions and stuff. It's like, all right, why don't you just go out there? Like, (laughs) why why can't you go out there? Like, it's just, just because it's, 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 you know, it's unknown. It's the outer rim, right? It's it's just because unknown, like what's the big deal? And like, even in like uh, the new Jedi order in like the, Mm -hmm. the space station that was out there and on that planet, it like, it didn't seem dangerous, right? It didn't seem like, like the area was like, somewhere that you couldn't just go and study, but like now that we're calling it the chaos, it's like, okay, so there's black holes everywhere. You have to be able to use the force to travel through it. Right. Like it's totally different. Totally yeah. different. Yeah. You know who's in the wrong. chaos? The Yuzon Vong. That's right. Dude, like maybe. No, correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong though. Um, uh, In chapter one, was there a reference to something that sounded like it was the great disaster? Oh, not that I caught. So the if you find public, it. Uh, the great I'm going to look for it. You keep talking. Yeah, yeah, look for it. it. Well, I, we can move on because we've already talked you know, a good bit about the chaos, but cut in if you find that because I'll be interested to hear it. Yeah. But for, for Corey and Wes then, what in your view is the goal, like the ultimate goal of this new, new Thrawn trilogy? Because it's all technically a prequel to the events you know, involving Thrawn in the Empire. And I find it interesting that every fan who's familiar with the end of the Rebels TV series is dying to know what happens next in the timeline. And then Zahn just pulls a 180 and tells us everything that happened before. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question, Charles. I think, the, and I don't think we totally understand the answer yet. And I, I, the, my, my gut reaction is like after reading, having read so much of timothy zahn's stuff i feel like the goal is to 
change our perception as Thrawn as a character. And it's already sort of happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, I've already asked the question, is Thrawn a villain? Like, we, I think that is the... I think the goal of the series, at least so far, is to say that, no, um, we're supposed to learn that Thrawn is not a villain and that his role in the big picture is something else that we don't quite understand. And, like... I think it's incredibly fascinating that it's in, that it's 2020 that this series this character has existed for almost 30 years now and like we're just now answering these types of questions is absolutely fascinating and it is so important in the grand scheme of things like uh, of like imagine having reread imagine having read the Thrawn trilogy original Thrawn trilogy in the 90s knowing now what we know about about grand admiral Thrawn, like it totally changes everything about his perception as a character so to me so far it seemed like that's the goal it's to maybe not convince us that Thrawn is not a villain but to at least at least make us think and and sort of change our perception of how we view him as a as as a character mm-hmm. he's not just a moriarty right or a, or a sherlock holmes like a bad guy right he's he's something deeper and he has complex emotions right and, and that's the fun conversation i think in star wars is like like Adam Driver answered that in a celebration stage one time. It's like being Sith is not necessarily the same as being evil, right? There's mm-hmm. like perceptions of what good and evil is, and everybody is complex. And Anakin is complex as a character, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not, it's not, he's not just choosing the quick and easy path. There's like highly complex motives. I think that's what we're supposed to learn. I'm like, glad you brought up Anakin too, because that that's also where I go. Like the the purpose of any prequel, especially in Star Wars is to further inform the stories that come afterwards. I mean, there's a reason why you tell your current day story and then you go backwards. Because I think that, you know, Anakin in the prequels now forever changes how you view the original trilogy because you know Anakin. You've watched the Clone Wars. You've watched the prequels. So Darth Vader is a very different character and his journey you can now watch with new eyes. It's the same reason we like reading anything in the EU. Like, you read Master and Apprentice, which is now a prequel to Episode 1, and now Qui-Gon's different. So I think... You nailed it, Corey, that now next time you watch Rebels or next time you read the first canon Thrawn books or something, you will now have this extra knowledge about Thrawn. And I think there's another aspect of it that might not even involve Thrawn at all, but they may just want to expand the galaxy more. I mean, this is a Mm -hmm. whole new region that can now open up stories for countless authors going forward Mm -hmm. of Here's this brand new universe, essentially, that you can work within. Right. Here's all these new cultures. Great. The sandbox yeah. gets bigger. I mean, think about the think about the, I mean, the way that you could use this in like a Star Wars RPG campaign. Like oh, yeah. suddenly the options are like limitless yeah. because like if you can get your hands on a navigator, like suddenly go wherever you want. You know, go wherever you want. Do whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. And it's also want to I want to I want to say uh, Spice didn't mention this in the chat. Um, I was th- I was not thinking of the Great Disaster. They're right. It's on page seventeen in the book. They talk about what created the chaos that would not um, time up. It was just there was a, there was a mm. big galactic event I that see, when gotcha. I was first reading it, I noted it because we didn't know what the Great Disaster exactly was right, at the time. Right. So incorrect. Just bad stuff happens in galaxies, man. And stuff gets, <laughs> still, still gets destroyed. Space all is time dangerous. Got it. Yes, space Corey, be dangerous. Corey, where you were talking about. Um, if you think Zahn is trying to give us a new definition of a hero, right? Because mm, you can either, our typical definition of hero and villain, hero does all good, villain does all bad. But we're, we're right now we're rooting for Thrawn in a sense. Mm-hmm. But there are totally. multiple instances where he said that casualties are, 
are a part of this. Like there can right. be no witnesses left. So he is cold blooded murderer that was uh, right. quoted in the book. So I mean, maybe he's trying to give us a new definition of the I don't yeah. know new genre of heroes that is coming right. out of the the Thrawn ascendancy book line. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I wonder because. Timothy Zahn seems to think 10 steps ahead, right? And I wonder if some of this might actually ultimately come into play with whatever might be happening with Thrawn and Ezra, because we don't know where those, those Purgles jumped off to maybe somewhere in the chaos, you know, only Filoni knows. Zahn Zahn has said that repeatedly. He's like, that is, that is Filoni's story to write. We know that we know that for sure, but, but he can set them up and Filoni can knock them down. You know what I'm saying? He can throw up that alley-oop. For sure. So getting back to actually a point that Wes just made, it plays beautifully into the next question. This book in general, not just with Thrawn, was really a far cry from the simple good versus evil that was first introduced to us in A New Hope. In fact, it was incredibly complicated. But my question is, was learning about the Chiss ascendancy and its political hierarchy and its ruling families and all the different types of family members, was any of that overwhelming to you? Like, in your opinion, did it ever get too complicated and you were just like, whoa, 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 back up. I, I just want to kind of know what's going on with these major strokes of the story. Or were you all about it? Like, are you sketching out myth family trees in your notebooks in your free time? <laughs> Dude. Oh man! I injected it. in my veins, straight up. I want, I want all of it. I loved every second of it. I, I thought it was, it was written out in a way that didn't make it overwhelming, and it wasn't like a reference book. In this technicality, it was done within the story. That being said, I would really like the next book. Again, we had the dramatis personae in this one, which I really liked. I think we should keep that. I think each book should build upon that. With like, and here is now the myth lines, and here is the fa- like. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, just keep it going. I, I, I love that stuff, though. That's that's one of my favorite things about any fantasy novel is, is finding yeah. out how what are the rules? <clears throat> what are the lines? What are the families? Yeah. How does it work? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, it makes the galaxy big. Yeah. Like, and complicated and complex. I think that's what's so attractive about the expanded universe is that it, it does truly expand. Like, and the more we get about species and 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 civilizations and organizations, like the, now we have the we have the Navigators Guild. Now we have the Chiss Ascendancy and their family complex system. We're getting all this new terminology of like, uh, like adopt. What's it? Married adopted. Married adopted. Oh my god! Yeah, it's man. Absolutely genius. Yeah. Like, and, oh. and it's so entertaining. I absolutely love it. So, and you were, I absolutely that, well, that's how family should work in general, though. I think we should also adopt that as humans. Like, we are all mirrored adoptives. In my, in my family. We are all mirrored yeah. adoptives in each other's families at this point, I think. <laughs> and if you read the book, you were flipping back to the first four pages to check and see the hierarchy and the levels of what yeah. a mirrored adoptive is compared yep. to a cousin, compared so to Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, it was very useful. Was, when I first I, read that, I was I like, not see what is this? Like, what is this definition page that I'm going to have to look at every 10 minutes after reading three or four pages at a time? Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never even seen this. Oh, I listened Corey. to the audiobook. <laughs> oh, man. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Wow. This is fantastic. Okay, so if anybody else that? is out there, if you've, uh, if you've <laughs> like me, and you only read the uh, only read the audiobook, there's apparently a whole Chiss Ascendancy, like, breakdown in the beginning of the book that's fantastic and if you only read it with your ears go ahead and listen to it with your eyes <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> well on the note of the on the complicated nature of all of this 
can we work through the hierarchy of the just really quickly? Because oh, I still don't think that I actually <laughs> understand who is in charge. I don't think they know who's in charge. <laughs> oh, no, come on now. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'm, so it, it seems like it seems like the the Chiss ascendancy have like ruling families, right? And the nine and ruling families, families have right. yep. have like they have both heads of families. But they also the head of the families also don't seem like they have all the power. So it seems like they have sort of, I don't know, what's the title for? It? Is there a title for patriarch? it? Patriarch. Like, like, yeah, they're, they're, they're the, pa- the patriarch is the head of the family, and then the syndic is the member of the syndicure, which is the main government body. Yes. 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 So, so main, it's like they have a they almost have an elected person that's yeah. not the patriarch or the matriarch. But then, suppose, but then, what is aristocra? How does that play? The aristocra is a mid level member of one of the nine ruling families. So, like, the okay. syndicate are the guys that make all the rules, of, and they're, like, civilian. Then the military is a whole other, like, separate thing. Right, right. So, it's, like, they're always working together and at odds. And then the aristocracy yes. is another level of politics that you can get. The syndicate the so you're saying there's checks like and balances. What a concept, huh? <laughs> Vote. The, anyway. Uh, the syndicate is kind of like the Jedi Council, <laughs> and the aristocracy is the entire Jedi Order. Yeah. Also, and, yeah. and the, the nine ruling families are all the fourth u- force users in general. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I I needed some help with that. I think I'm probably still going to need help moving forward. But you know, we had another one of our friends, Kyle Katarn, over on our Discord. So great name. Oh, first we're friends of all. with Kyle Katarn. Yeah, you one and only. Apparently, this, this I don't know if it's the real Kyle Katarn. He didn't have a blue check mark, but you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he basically was saying that Thrawn is frequently touted as either the savior or the destroyer of the future of the Chiss. And we mentioned that in the last episode. But his question was, you know, while we don't know which one he ultimately might be, in what manner would he even become either one of those things? Like, is it possible for him to become a leader in the ascendancy outside of his military position? One, because of, you know, all the crap that the that the ascendancy hates that he does, but two, because of his like initially low social rank, would it even allow for that? Like how high could Thrawn rise amidst the Chiss ascendancy? I think it's a question of where the ascendancy goes in their future. Like are are they willing to be burned that down and built back up? Like I think the patriarch of the myth family definitely thinks it's time for some change. I mean, he, when he's talking to Thalius on the mountain, He's like, okay, my family is is definitely in need of of something, and like Thrawn represents the future. It's kind of like the same conversation, honestly, that happens with governments and in, in societies in our in our world. Like, when is the time that the new generation kind of steps up and changes things versus the old guard taking a step back? And there are clearly people like Thurfian and others of the old guard or the last remnants of the old guard that don't want anything to change and they want to keep their power and they don't want people like Thrawn that don't know the societal norms and don't know the politics to start coming in and making change. Mm-hmm. So I think that's also going to be a big part of this book series is that Thrawn can only go as far as those, as people who will put obstacles in his way. Like, so as long as they are able to stop him, they will try. But if he's able to get people like Bakif, like we were saying earlier, like Thalius to kind of join him in this new generation of Chiss, in the new in the new guard, in the new era, then ultimately the old people kind of fade away. So I think that that's right. going to be interesting to see how far does he get before he eventually goes to the Empire. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a- Amy was here. Amy DF, I guess in our chat, like basically brought up the exact same point of like, I mean, we know he's in the empire and that's gotta be a bit of a problem for his career advancement in the chess. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's, there's no way he's like president of the chess yeah. over there. He in the, hits in a the stop for sure. Thing. He hits a, yeah. he hits a level and we'll yeah. find out what it is. Well, so let's let's move on from kind of the the culture of the chiss and let's talk about the chiss homeworld itself. I found a lot of yeah. that stuff really interesting, specifically mm-hmm. on page two forty nine when we learn that the chiss capital on Scylla is actually an empty city. There's like very few people that actually live there because the chiss had this mass exodus where they all moved underground or to other planets due to unfavorable conditions. And that caused the city to, uh, you know, largely freeze. It was like an ice city. Um, most of the senior members of the Chiss Ascendancy know this, but really the rest of the people don't. Uh, it seemed like a pretty big story point to me that wasn't really explored too much. What were y'all's thoughts on that? Uh, it, it, my my first initial thought was like maybe the. Maybe the chess are actually a lot weaker than we've sort of been like led on. Mm-hmm. Like, like maybe maybe Thrawn's you know jump to the Empire was actually a bit out of desperation rather than ooh, you know, sure, yeah. Um, right, like we're, we're sort of led to believe even with this story that like you know the chess are this great powerful race and culture that like you know, are going to live on for millennia, but like, maybe that's not true here. Like maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the planet they live on is, is not inhabitable. Like where the hell are they? Like they're on other planets, but like, but they're really are ants. They... They're ants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> exactly. it, it was definitely like a, like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. Like, all right, we got to keep up appearances. It doesn't matter if we're falling apart. It doesn't matter if we have no money. We got to pretend like we are. We got to keep going to the same parties. We're like the fact that they have cars and trains just on autopilot going through the city to make people that are looking at them think that there's a pop, like still a public. It's pretty weird. Yeah. It's very weird, and it's also like cool. Is that battle strategy so they don't get attacked? Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, it but is. How long can you keep that up? I I, I think we're gonna find that out. That's book two, baby. I'll tell you what. That's got if I, if I know my Star Wars second books and their trilogies, that planet's going <laughs> right. down. And how do they find where? out? This is, there's yes. one of the myth members just let that fly. Does it right? And wait, who, wait, Wes, who finds saying, out? And are you tell me he, why it's the Grisk? Loose lips oh my God. sink ships. Eric, is that what guys? We're talking about? No, I'm saying. Are you saying he's a myth buster? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I imagine. Uh, I imagine Bakif is having. Uh, what was his name? Was it Jamie with the mustache, like the walrus yes. mustache? From yep. Mythbusters, yes. I imagine Bakif yes, has one of those. Oh, absolutely. I think that's just him. But, but yeah, so moving on from, from that city, I think, yeah, they're going to have to explore that more because they wouldn't have really put mm-hmm. that into the story and, and just left it you know, to sit. But I've got to ask this next question before we, we wrap up with all of these overarching questions. Will we ever learn what became of Thrawn's sister? I don't think so. In this trilogy, mm-hmm. maybe not. Okay. But yeah, I don't think so. Zahn has been great for thirty years of being like, "Oh no, I know," and then just wait until that sweet, sweet book contract comes along, and then he's right. gonna be like, "All right, <laughs> I'll tell you now." Like, That's smart on his on his part, right? He's to hold on more. to that little that little nugget that everybody's yeah. like, they'll finish this whole trilogy and be like, "But we never, we never got an answer to that." 
you know, four paragraphs about his sister. Or not even, <laughs> like, four sentences about his sister. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I hope so, certainly. But I, I don't know either. But I think you're right. If we get another trilogy out of it, I'm not mad. But <laughs> Yeah. Moving- All right, twist my arm. More books? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on just from this first book to, you know, looking ahead to the second book that we know is going to be coming. Ooh, hold on. Yeah. Andrew Bell, uh-huh. comment in the chat. Recanonize the Hand of Thrawn with the sister taking his place. Yeah, maybe we so. Call it the Sword of Thrawn. And then also bring back Jaina Solo as well while we're at it. Yeah. <laughs> coming out of a portal being like, you I was in the chaos. Oh yeah, my god! They can, just, they can retcon everything, just like they do with Star Trek. In great. the chaos, they find the portal to Legends. It's like, wait a minute! <laughs> oh my god! Amazing! <laughs> World between worlds. All right. Well, let's talk. Well, about- yeah. What am I talking about? That exists. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the final chapter here in this book. Uh, when we hear a disembodied voice who refers to him, him or herself, I guess, as Jixtus, who speaks to yes. Kilori, claiming that <laughs> Yiv was never more than a pawn. And he also claims that he will bring about the fall of the Chiss Ascendancy. So just who is this Jixtus? And will he or she prove to be the ultimate villain in the chaos, like Palpatine is for lesser space? Or is he or she just the antagonist for part two of this trilogy? Jixtus is actually Thrawn's granddaughter. <laughs> or it's just Thrawn with the mustache. <laughs> That's true. No, I think uh, Jixtus. Is, I, I like. I like the idea of it being the big, the new big bad. I mean, this is this is the Palpatine of it's Darth Maul. This area. <laughs> I do think, though, mechanical could, arms. <laughs> your rap scallions. I do think, though, it could. I think it could be a Sith. I think this mm, could be like Sith? an ancient Sith. Wow. Because oh, when you talk about the ancient Sith wars, why would the Sith only be in? This universe, you know, so I think there's definitely yeah. or someone using the, the chaos in a dark way. Like, I love the yeah. idea of of Thrawn's first experience with the dark side of the force being Jixtus. So then when he meets Vader. Yeah, I've seen this I mean, before. It's, it's been done about a thousand a thousand times. Like, how many times have the Sith been destroyed, gone off to some planet, lived for ages, then they mysteriously show up. They even literally every legends, time, and, that, and that's where <laughs> Legends was going, right? Ooh, like, yeah, Luke, Luke kind of sort of discovered the Sith species in Empire, right? Like, uh, guys, sorry, Spice Den also Spice Den killing it with all these theories today. Uh, Jixtus is a former kidnapped Skywalker, maybe even Thrawn's mm. sister. Mm. Mm. Spice Den must be what? taking spice. Oh, man. He is just. <laughs> That'd be cool. Opening Doing my mind. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that's the thing about Star Wars, right? We we can either go one of two ways. One, everything can be new, but also the amount of like connections we have also kind of makes Star Wars Star Wars. You know, yeah. like the amount it's of familial. Snook. So I think there's possibilities. I don't know. I'm I mean, I'm excited to find out whatever it is. I mean, between this and like. This book ending with this and, like, the first Alpha Squadron um, book ending the way it did. No spoilers if you haven't read that yet. But, like, the villain reveals in right. canon are, are, are getting pretty dope. I really yeah. like uh, I really like them. Yeah. I mean, we have to we have to eventually have a new Big Bad. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, just in yeah. general. Like, like, that is the nature of Star Wars yep. is that there's always one villain. Like, there's always a bigger fish, yep. right? Like, we'll get a higher like, public Pal- one. Yes, we're going to get a higher Republican. Maybe Palpatine is not it. Like, I mean, 
you know, kind of, you know, putting the nail in the coffin on Palpatine with episode nine surely does close a lot of doors for Star Wars storytelling in a lot of ways. So yeah. maybe we need something bigger or something better. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't need someone that's been waiting longer than, because I get it. All, all the villains are waiting. That's the big Star Wars stage, too. Like, I waited for 100 years. I waited for 3,000 years. Long I have waited, we waited for 10,000 like, <laughs> years. Stop waiting and just do something. And I think that's what Jixus is about to do. So, very excited right. to see. Uh, There's literally see a Jixus. line somewhere with Sith taking a number. <laughs> like, it's a butcher. Kind of Beetlejuice. Yeah. All right, number 37. Number 37. Palpatine, like, that's me. Long have I waited. Oh, oh I, guys, I waited. Uh, I gotta go to the Secretary of State on Friday. By the way, this reminds me of that. I'm not excited about it. Oh, anyway. that sounds not fun. <laughs> Corey, you nah. listened to the audio book. You did? Did you not think that he said Jesus right when he uh, when he revealed his name? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus. The world between worlds, Wes. Anything is possible. <laughs> well, Zong got long. Really have I been a carpenter? <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you know how excited Jared would be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, y'all. Amazing. Let's uh, let's move on from this before we get in any more trouble. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Easter eggs. Uh, yes. To, to be totally upfront, y'all, I don't have as many this time as I usually do. I apologize. Partly that's because right. I'm not as familiar with ins and outs of all of Zahn's Legends material beyond like the original Thrawn trilogy. Um, partly yeah. I think because there's a ton of brand new material in this book and partly because I didn't have as much time to research. I'm just going to be And honest. Outbound Flight is a very big book. I've been looking at it on my bookshelf oh, yeah. for a good long time. <laughs> it's, it's a thick boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody only thinks about the original trilogy, but like Thrawn, God damn it, I always do that. <laughs> it's not a bit, guys. Zahn has so many books. He, does. he really does. He does. But we're going to give it a go anyway. So here's everything that I caught. On page 18, Bakif says, are you certain this is the way? And the only appropriate response to that question is, this is the way. But <laughs> the person he's speaking to says, yes, General. And I don't like that. So we need to rewrite that. That's gross. That is not the way. <laughs> what a um, great Easter yeah. egg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wes. It's all downhill from here. Uh, <laughs> on page 97 at an art gallery we have Thrawn say the history of the ascendancy is in these rooms some of these pieces date back to the Chiss participation in the wars between the Galactic Republic and the Sith Empire so that's talking about a bunch of like old Republic stuff right that was from oh, like, yeah. that. oh that's right yep. okay that makes it possible that you can play as a Chiss yep. like in the old Republic game I had never thought about that until just now that's Love a it. great point yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, page 227, Thrawn says, We all have regrets, however, just as we have hopes that will never get fulfilled. The key to a satisfying life is to accept those things that cannot be changed and make a positive difference with those that can. That's not really an Easter egg. It's just like Thrawn chucking out life lessons, and I'm going to try to <laughs> apply that to my... It sounds like it should be like to a... Live like by. a this is like a Nelson Mandela yeah. quote. Or Dude, that's right? literally, it's literally the it's quote like, at the top of the review because I'm like, damn. Exactly. Damn, Sean. The key to having a satisfying life is to accept those things that cannot be changed. Abraham Lincoln. Exactly. Thrawn effect. <laughs> Just to like, attribute quotes to Thrawn from now on, like famous yeah. historical quotes. I think perhaps I am. <laughs> like, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, man. All right, on page 228, Thrawn and Thalius play cards. And I just wanted to point out, can you imagine how not fun it would be to play cards against Thrawn? He would be oh like, my God. He'd be like I deduced that you would likely ask if I had any sevens, and so I made sure to discard them accordingly. As such, you may go fish. <laughs> It'd be terrible. It would be terrible. Um, page 291, Cherry says to Thrawn, they run their warships with machines. Some of them, yes, Thrawn said. Indeed, if the reports are true, one side of the massive war taking place in lesser space is largely being waged by such droids. Cherry thought about that. Seems kind of stupid, she said. Then Thrawn (laughs) says, the desire to minimize warrior deaths is futile if the war is then lost. So two great points there. One, that's hilarious that Cherry basically (laughs) just said Dooku and all the Separatists are just stupid. Um, and, And two... You know, we see that using those machines did not at all minimize warrior death in the prequels and everything, you know, that it led to in the original trilogy. In fact, it probably multiplied, uh, multiplied, multiplied. That's where we are right now. (laughs) Multiplied. 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 (laughs) We weren't going to say anything. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I thought that that was just great. Uh, Page 294, we see Duja. So that's Padme's handmaiden. Um, who, you know, is, oh, is yeah. from the, she's the <laughs> one who, who dies on Mokiv, essentially yeah, while she's investigating. Alliance. Yeah. The separatist droid oh, factory. Yeah. She's one of the only remember, handmaidens remember that Padme, doesn't like, change her last part of her name to a, which is why she right. dies, which is yeah. why she dies. And Padme had to carry your dead body yes, and, ex- and dispose of exactly. it. Exactly. It's dies. a rough day, man. Remember when I, I gotta say, I loved how Thrawn alliances all just happened during a chapter. Yeah. Like and it's, oh yes. No like oh how wait. how have we not talked about this yet? That that entire scene that was being in this book was amazing. Yeah, it was. Like like the same text was there, the same dialogue. Yeah. That was fantastic. That was Getting awesome. It from another perspective. Genius. Move. It perfectly solidified where we were in the timeline, which was nice because yep. yeah. there were a lot of questions totally about did. that. Yeah, and I'm like Anakin's there and Mithrana Ding Dong and like uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh man. All right, page 318 Arlani Thrawn, Skywalker. Bizarre coincidence. And then he responds, I understand it's not that uncommon a name in parts of lesser space. So they are doubling down. I made this point that George Lucas said this a bunch of times. Skywalker <laughs> equals Johnson. You heard it here first. That is official. <laughs> Vader is stupid like for not that noticing. At you know. this point, Thrawn has, has met one human. And he's like, no, they're all called that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all look the same to me. <laughs> Oh, I, I met I met two white brunettes, so I just assume that they all look like that. That's right. All right. Well, I was doing my perusing on Wikipedia, as I do for all of these Easter eggs, and I saw an interesting uh, little tidbit on there. My Hungarian is a little bit rusty, but according to Wikipedia, Saplar, the name of the Chis city, uh, the capital city on Scylla, is the Hungarian word for bartender. <laughs> all right what? amazing that explains why they're all dead they are alcoholics <laughs> that, that has to be a coincidence alcoholism is rampant amongst the was zon just like backpacking around like <laughs> hungary and was just like that word i am using that word saplar that's right i'll have another they one keep, they keep everybody underground and pump oxygen or whatever they breathe into those into the into those ant colonies and they don't turn the lights on. It's like a it's like a casino down there and they just drink. absolutely. 
All right. At the beginning of the novel, we learn that Thrawn is recovering from injuries sustained in a battle against the Vigari pirates. And the Vigari were an alien species who made several appearances in Legends. That was in Outbound Flight. It was also in Survivor's Quest and the Darkness Trilogy. So kind of canonizing some of those things maybe that happened. Interesting, interesting. Yep, yep. Um, and then final one that I've got for you. One of the myth syndics who they named as Thras was also mentioned as having been killed in that same Vagari skirmish. And Thras is actually a Legends character who was also killed in Legends, but more importantly was actually Thrawn's brother. So in canon, what? he's no longer Thrawn's brother that we know of, but we see that character <laughs> oh. come back. So I thought he that was wow. pretty cool. That, that is an Easter egg if I've ever heard one, Charles. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Wikipedia. Anytime a name, hey, another- honest to God, how I do this, anytime a name pops up in a canon book now, I'm like, hmm, I wonder. And I just look it up, and a lot of times... <laughs> A lot of times. That's a good call. Uh, Another shout out to Spice Den. Oh, it's always killing it. Had another couple Easter eggs. Thrash being dead was one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The ship looking like uh, outbound flight. But also the ring that that Thrawn gets gifted in this book. That is the design of the Chimera. Of his future ship. Oh, whoa. That's the ring. Yeah, it is. Look, I got the cover right there. You Uh. can see the two snakes with the mouth Uh, Also, that that same Chimera ship that can be unlocked as a hologram in EA Motive Star Wars Squadrons, now available for all consoles and PC. Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) Come play with us. So let's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Let's re-rate this book on a 1 to 10. Give me any final thoughts that you have. I guess the first no, you know we're gonna we're gonna do Corey last again because I want to know if his ten has changed. So we're gonna let him back clean up. Eric, you go first. One to ten, and any final thoughts. So I did nine point four, I think before. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine point seven. I mean this this book is it's just so good, and I'm I've never felt quite so happy and pleased as someone who admittedly has not been a fan of some of the more recent Thrawn entries to finish this book and be like yes yes yeah. that's this is great totally I love this character I love this direction I love that some of my favorite books that we're getting in Star Wars are some of the most recent entries like Star yeah. Wars has so much freaking publishing momentum right now and I'm obsessed with it like Thrawn is at the best it's been the High Republic hype could not be bigger um we we went from like a six point something on Queen's Shadow to a nine point oh on Queen's Peril. Like the yeah. the graph is shooting up so high and this book I think is kind of like the best example of this so far. And if you're not excited about Star Wars publishing right now, after reading these last few entries, like I don't know, man. This this is it, it is more than I ever thought it could be and I I I can't wait to get book two next year. And the fact that we're getting this and the final book in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy and six High Republic books in the same calendar year makes up for this dumpster fire of 2020. That's right. <laughs> Loved Agreed. it. 9.7. Print it. Agreed. <laughs> Wes, any thoughts? Right, Coda? <laughs> <laughs> so I give my initial rating of it was good for the what I have read to I finished it and I <laughs> 9.2. It's the biggest jump uh, we've nice. ever had. <laughs> um yeah, I thought of um, again echo everybody's thoughts. Really great, great book. I love Zahn's writing. Um, I also liked that he dumbed it down for a lot of us to um, as I wouldn't say dumb it down, but um, Sherry, Cherry, Sherry, mm-hmm. Sherry. All right, so I feel that he wrote this character for stupid people like myself <laughs> to help decipher some of Theron's plans because she was like. 
so that's why you did this to break across <laughs> the thing? And I'm like, oh, that's why he did it. And oh, so man. I was like really hanging on to some of her dialogues. I was like, oh, that's why. That's I was genius. just reading words. <laughs> yes. Love that. I could I couldn't get over the fact that 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 Shiri sounded like an anime character in the movie. <laughs> that's the only small, tiny amount of criticism I have. Wow. That was Mark, Mark Thompson's Thompson. performance. Yeah, you, I can't say anything negative about Mark Thompson. It, like he, he, he really did like will. ten aliens in this book. He's <laughs> like, a really great anime character. He was running out of yes, voices. But for like, sake. yeah, you know yes, his his childish little girl voice it makes me cringe a little bit, and it took me a long time to get used to it. Like long time. And after last episode, I couldn't think of anything of but Arlani being a Nazi war officer. Just by that. <laughs> <laughs> but like in a cool very way. Very German accent. <laughs> she does have a thick German accent. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, yeah. I think yeah. that I lowballed this uh, book. I think I gave it an 8.9 when we started. And mm-hmm. you guys have, have convinced me. I'm coming up to a 9.5. I think this book Dang! was. Yeah. Nice jump. I know. It's a big jump. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> That's all I can say. 9.5. This is absolutely has to be a 9 or above. Um, maybe not a perfect 10, but let's see what Corey thinks about that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this the the book was. Uh, I, I'm totally with you guys. Like, like, it, the book teaches you that. How, how can I? How can I say this? I really hate the question, "What's your favorite character in Star Wars?" People ask me that a lot. Like, yeah. like you know, like you know, people find out you're like a huge Star Wars fan. Like, we run Utini. We have a Star Wars podcast. Like, you know, they they I they, don't get it. People try to connect you. Yes, right. <laughs> people try to connect with you, and they they ask you, you know, a question, which is oftentimes kind of an elementary question. Like, you know, what's your favorite Star Wars? Movie? What's your favorite character? You know, just making conversation, right? And I hate the question, "What's your favorite character?" Because the expanded universe makes it impossible to answer that damn question. Because yeah. as we have seen with Thrawn now being the perfect example of that, you can have you can have different depictions of the character and different books that you love and hate and like, and just wait for the next entry because it might change your mind about it. And like, that is where this book was for me because I'm with you, Eric. I did not like Thrawn alliances that much. did not like Thrawn treason that much. And like, this book is like, like it took the original Canon Thrawn book, which was hella good. Unbelievably good. 9.5 for me. I loved it. It's my top five. Like this is better than that book even. Yeah. And, and like Wes, you're talking about Shiri dumbing it, like kind of dumbs down the character of Thrawn a little bit. Like, I don't feel like you have to know anything about the chest to read this book. I you don't agree. have to have I agree. been around since mm-hmm. the '90s to read this book, which nope. is what I was worried about. I was worried that you would have to know all the stuff that happened in the original Thrawn trilogy to get it, and you don't have to do that at all. Uh, so, like, you know, I'll go back to what I said originally when I went last last time. As I said. You know, at Eugenia, we judge books based on writing, originality, entertainment, characters, and what's the fourth one or fifth one? Plot. Plot. <laughs> plot. Yeah, you yes. went backwards. And plot. Yes, and I think that this book meets damn near perfection in every single one of those categories. If you individually base it, base your score off of those five individual categories, mm-hmm. I find it hard to to argue that that this is not a perfect ten in all ten, all five of those categories. So the average of ten is ten, right? So there it is. Like I'm still giving this book a ten out of ten. It's I think it's one of the best canon books that has ever been written. Um, it is definitely in my top five. I might go as far to say it's in my top three books. Like mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. Um, I felt this way. I closed it, and I felt the way that I did after Master and Apprentice, which is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. So yep, absolutely wow. loved it. Yeah, you know. I I put this up in a. 
There, there, was a, there was a thing going around Twitter a couple days ago where everyone was sharing their like top four favorite canon novels, and it was one of those fun trends. And I, I put it, I put this in there. Like I, I yeah. couldn't not based on how we're talking about it. So yeah, I can't wait for the next entry, and that has yep. to say something. Like, like I haven't felt so jacked about a second book in a series in a really, really long time. We just yeah. don't have that many series in canon, and like, you know, I love the Alphabet Squadron series, but I don't love it like Eric does, right? Mm-hmm. So like. I'm not just dying for that next entry the way you are. And this book left me wild. Will like, Lark had, has I, a I beard, Corey. How did he get that beard? <laughs> How did he get that beard? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Oh, man. All right. Uh, you know, well, that does it. That is the end of the Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising Roundtable. I'm already stoked for the next one. Uh, but for now, I'm going to kick it back to Eric. All right, man. Well, if you like this roundtable, then coming up later this year, again, I'm not 100% sure how we'll do from a certain point of view because of its format, but we will have an episode featured on that. But guys, our next official full roundtables, it's going to be Light of the Jedi, High Republic. We're coming up. We got got a couple couple months uh, until that happens. But uh, So the only thing we have coming out in the next couple months is the uh, from a certain point of view, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but in the meantime, a couple of things we want to tell you guys about that are that are going on uh, here at Utini. Wes, tell us what's going on with Utini game nights because uh, I mean Corey was on the show last week doing some That's fun right. stuff. Corey came on uh, last Friday night and did a Star Wars Sims edition. Um, I had never played The Sims before, so I watched Corey put together a, I guess, a virtual world of Corrin Horn, who he hates dearly. Um, <laughs> and everything that he put together were things that he thought some douchebag uh, person named Corrin Horn and from my Jedi would put together. So, oh, man. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was, and he tried to get Corrin Horn beat up for no apparent reason, and then he tried to kill him at the end. It was it was pretty entertaining. So, <laughs> <laughs> if anybody... yeah, Correction, Wes, I did kill him, both by drowning and by fire. Oh, my God. Right, so. <laughs> man, I missed that part. All right. Yeah, so he is... Very very dead. <laughs> it was the highlight of the episode. So that so, stream is still on this very channel. <laughs> if you want some highlights from that, I mean, this coming uh, this coming Friday we will have Andrew. Uh, he'll sign on for Squadrons, um, and he'll try to get some of our Utini team members to join up with his squadron. Get four, hopefully, and they'll join him on the chat. And we'll hear some people get blown up. I don't know if I'll. I will not be on that squadron. Uh, maybe some. Some other of our uh, Utini family will get on. But this Friday, um, if you are Patreon, that's tomorrow. And if you got the regular broadcast, you'll see it uh, today. So yeah. tune, in on, tune in on Twitch at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's Excellent. Correct. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I was I, like, I, damn I, it, I, what time is he going on? Yeah, Twitter <laughs> as well. We'll be taking that at Utini underscore US and at Living Force Pod. We'll be sure to to shout that out and if you are playing squadrons go into our discord channel that is all about sw-squadrons drop your ea name get some squad mates we'll we'll all hang out and play uh, additionally kanja book club is still going every saturday they've been talking about dark disciple by christy golden um which we love is a really fantastic book so make sure to check that out on the patreon a couple of patreon episodes we want to let you guys know about as my video lags out beautifully um if you guys are not on our Patreon, you found out that this week we did a light skipping and we finally did it, everyone. I Jedi was picked! So it's been the week of <laughs> I Jedi, man. If you wanna jump 
If you want to jump on Patreon, this is the time to do it. Sign up for a single month. Listen to the iJedi episode, then jump off. That's fine. We get it. Um, but you can go wait, off wait, hold on a second. If somebody jumps on Patreon for a single month, that's going to put us over the Patreon goal, which means I'm going to have to read the damn book. <laughs> the whole thing in one One thing. month, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely oh my do God. it. Um, additionally, uh, hilariously, after this very episode, Charlie and I are about to record our latest episode of The Ghost Crew, where we're talking about Star Wars Rebels. Tonight, we're going to talk about the episode where Ketsu came in in Season 2. And um, announcement, Corey, do you want to tell everyone about the the event that is coming up on the 23rd? Yes, on the 23rd. That's the uh, night at the opera, right? Yes. I was, yes, I was okay. teeing you up for it. Yes, I, I was hoping that was the right. The right <laughs> yes. I was thinking today, I couldn't remember what date we had picked, but yes, it is the 23rd, which is ne- not next week. Wait, 23rd? That is the 12th. So we so got, yeah, weeks. because Thursday, the 22nd, is my birthday. Okay. Just throwing that out. Uh, I have a wedding that weekend. We might have to change the date. Oh, oh shit! No. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, so anyway, whenever we do, tell your friends the that opera, there's a pandemic going on. Geez. Don't get married right now. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. I think I chose the wrong date. Timothy's gonna kill me. Sorry, Tim. All right, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll later. talk about it next week. <laughs> coming up, coming up this month, uh, night at the opera. We're gonna do it. We do it like uh, every quarter. I, I think we missed one there in the summertime when we were trying to get everything straightened out. But Tim has jumped in and gotten us back on track. So night at the opera, we get together for a watch party. Last time we watched a um, couple of the last couple of episodes of, of Mandalore. Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right, Siege of Mandalore. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's worth, I think, jumping on Patreon just for that reason. Um, uh, this this month we're gonna do the last couple episodes of The Mandalorian, like, and kind of maybe like a little recap of The Mandalorian a little bit before the new season kicks off. So it'll be fun. Yep. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And final update: as I do most weeks, the Utini Fantasy Football League is going strong. And by strong, I mean not my team. So I want to give a shout out to James who is at the head of our leaderboard and is facing me this week and who had the Baltimore Ravens defense, who scored 32 points by themselves and beat the ever-loving <laughs> crap out of my team. James, congrats. All right. Um, now, other than that, everyone, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. And that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, head over to Discord and join the Aftermath After Show video channel to hang out for the after party. $5 patrons get to listen. $10 patrons get to join. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder, and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman and Sally and Chris Eilerson and our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and all things Utini. You can find us on Twitter. I am at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thanks to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.